Good afternoon and welcome to Reimagining Backup Strategies for Meditech Environments, a health system CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Pure Storage. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the editor-in-chief of Health System CIO, and I will be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. You can send in your questions or comments as they occur to you in the Q&A box, and we'll take those later in the program. And we're going to do a little poll later in the event, and then we will take a look at those results. Nice way to, to set up your screen today. In the top center, click on that, get it in side-by-side -side mode. You can adjust the divider using the slider to get the video boxes and the slides the, the size you want them. And it should say speaker view in the top right-hand corner. Just so you can see how we're going to spend our time today, we're going to go about 35, 40 minutes with our main panel discussion featuring Brian Davids, CIO at Magnolia Regional Health Center. Rich Temple, CIO at Devorah Heart and Lung Center, and Priscilla Sandberg, Global Alliance Executive with Pure Storage. So without any further delay, we're going to jump right into our conversation. Brian, can you give us an overview of your organization and your role? Sure. Uh, so Magnolia is a standalone 200-bed healthcare system. We're located in northeast Mississippi. Uh, we service about a seven-county area that include portions of northeast Mississippi and southwest Tennessee. Uh, Magnolia offers about 30 service lines, including orthopedics, heart and vascular, cancer, respiratory, among others. Uh, we operate about 20 ambulatory clinics in the region, uh, including primary and specialty care, uh, as well as providing home health and hospice services to the area. Uh, we do all this with an integrated medical record solution across the continuum of care powered by Meditech. Uh, I'm currently the CIO. I've been in this position for about three years, uh, and I have been with Magnolia for a total of 13. Uh, my responsibilities are basically core technology and infrastructure and overall administration of the IT department. Uh, so basically, I just try to stay out of the way of my amazing team and try to do what I can to enable them to their success. So. Very good, Rich. Good afternoon. My name is Rich Temple. I'm the Vice President and Chief Information Officer for the Deborah Heart and Lung Center. I'm also the HIPAA Security Officer for Deborah Heart and Lung. Deborah is an 85-bed uh, cardiovascular specialty hospital in the wilds of southern New Jersey. And for those of you who have mental pictures of New Jersey, we are actually as much in the wilds of New Jersey as you can be. Um, we're very proud of the fact that we have some of the highest quality scores um, in the state in terms of the areas that we specialize in, car uh, cardi uh, cardiology, vascular, and pulmonary. And um, we also have another thing which is unique about us. We're one of three hospital systems in the country that uh, don't balance bill our patients as part of our mission going back 95 years. And uh, the patients can get our excellent care and uh, not get a bill at the end, which is something which is really, that kind of culture is woven into our DNA. So it's a really nice place to work. Uh, we're currently on Meditech 615. We're in the process right now of migrating to Meditech Expanse. We're looking to go live on that early in March of next year. Um, our primary network configuration is on-prem. Uh, we are remote hosted. We have a third party uh, that actually hosts our, hosts our Meditech instance. And uh, that works well for us just because we are a small hospital and it brings us the benefits of being able to uh, have 24 by seven access to um, people if something happens at a weird hour. So um, I'm delighted to be here and delighted to have this conversation. Very good, Rich. Thank you. Priscilla? 
Uh, thank you for having me. My name is Priscilla Sandberg. I've spent the last 17 years in field sales for Meditech, and I transitioned over to Pure about two years ago. Uh, my partner, Chris Bocas, and I manage the alliances for all of the EMR vendors, so Meditech, Cerner, Allscripts, NextGen, CPSI. Um, we work specifically with Meditech customers on specific Pure configurations, backup solutions, and um, you know, we've had a lot of success in the last couple of years. Pure is the fastest growing storage vendor in the Meditech market, and Chris and I are just pleased to be a part of it. Very good. All right. Next question. Brian, let's start with you. How are your backups currently managed, and how many resources do you have doing backups? Yeah, so uh, Magnolia is an on-prem, uh, so all of our Meditech environment is on-premise. We host it in our own data center. Uh, so we leverage actually two backup solutions, uh, one solely for Meditech purposes and then a secondary solution for enterprise digital solutions. Uh, for Meditech, uh, we leverage the Bridgehead application. We do two full daily backups. Uh, the first backup is stored on an on-premise device, and then we actually replicate that backup data to a secondary uh, device in a secondary location that is operated by Magnolia. Uh, the second full backup is actually targeted at a secondary data center, which is our, uh, hosted by our disaster recovery as a service partner. Uh, this backup is then replicated between two Tier 4 data centers uh, in their ownership. Uh, kind of the issue that we've ran into with this solution is that because we're doing daily full backups and the amount of data that we're backing up in our solution and pushing across uh, the Internet, uh, the RPO and RTO for this solution is a little higher than we would like it to be at 24 and 12 hours respectively. Uh, so we are actually currently in the process of move, migrating to a new tier, uh, two-tier storage uh, solution um, where we'll continue to store backups locally and replicate those to our secondary site, but we're moving to a uh, change block tracking always-on replication solution for our DR site. Uh, so this will greatly enhance uh, our RPO, RTO time down to between zero and two hours uh, if we ever needed to call a disaster. Uh, we also have a downtime sys solution uh, that we push pertinent information out to workstations in encrypted format. Uh, and basically, this is just a gap uh, coverage uh, to get us by until we were able to stand up our DR solution. Very good. Rich? In our, in our world, um, I really have just one person and change who are involved with our daily network backups. Like I said, our network is um, done on-prem. And we do snapshots every two hours and we do full backups daily and we have a cycling for you know, how long we maintain those dailies become weeklies, which become monthlies. Uh, so they all, they cycle out over time. Uh, as I noted earlier for Meditech, we remote host our Meditech system. And at that re remote hosting site, they have uh, redundant data centers. They have robust backups that include uh, both uh, multiple snapshots of the VM along with IDRs, which are intermediate disaster recoveries. That's done every four hours. Full backups are done every day. Um, you know, doing Meditech backups is tricky, as um, I think many of us know, because um, the Meditech, the Meditech um, world is not so much like an Oracle world. It is one giant database, and, uh, you, and you just uh, back that up. I mean, it's very decentralized and uh, it's it's and you have to do you have to do everything within a certain window of time, or you wind up having um, user impacts that we don't like. So 
it's tricky, but yeah, we have seven uh, seven servers uh, plus, and things have to be moved around at just the right point. So it's um it's tr it's tricky. Like I said, we um, we inside inside Deborah with our information systems team are primarily focused on our on our network backups, but um, we have to make sure that we're working hand in glove with our third party partner because in the event of a disaster. We're going to have to make sure that we're bringing everything up at just the right time, and we're coordinating what has to be brought up on our side versus what gets connected to their side. So, um, we're always striving to improve our RPO and RTO every day as well. That's the perpetual challenge, and tool, the tools get better and better, but it's a cost, certainly. Priscilla, we heard uh, Rich use the word "tricky" at least three times. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, tricky, it, tricky. What are what are your thoughts on the question, or anything you've heard the panelists say so far? Well, I think that um, you know, to both of your points, it's it's a resource that is being utilized to either manage, track, ensure that these things are actually happening. And um, you know, what we've seen with some of the customers who switch to Pure and consider uh, backup as a service solution is that we're taking some of the burden off of, well, all of the burden off the sites and taking those staff back into the organization so they can deploy other things like telemedicine or virtual waiting rooms. And then also just eliminating the risk, you know, Rich, like you talked about being able to have to coordinate with another third party to restore the system. You're right, it is tricky. There's a lot of moving pieces and parts. And if one of those parts fails, it can be disastrous for the organization. Rich, is this harder, you think, than for other uh, EMRs? Um, I think it probably is somewhat harder just because of the uh, distributed nature of the Meditech database. There's not one place that you go that you can point to and say, okay, I'm backing that up and boom, we're ready. Um, so I think it, it is a little bit trickier based on the fourth time I said that. Okay, but I like that word. And it's, <laughs> it's, a good word. it's appropriate, I think, given, yeah. um, you know, given what, what goes on. Um, so, um, it's, yeah, so yes, it is, it is, it is more challenging, I would say. Brian, what are your thoughts around that? Uh, I agree, you know, because of the unique architecture of Meditech and their flat file kind of database architecture across multiple systems, you know, you have to QES or QIS, um, all of those writes and reads from that database architecture prior to taking a snapshot and backing it up. Uh, and because of that, the complications of that, there's, it leads to a lot of opportunities for failure in the backup solution. So. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, so it is tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. So I say Meditech actually wrote some software, they call it a MBI MBF, which is a Meditech Backup Initiator and Meditech Backup Facilitator, because it had been so challenging to try to do this. And um, from what I hear, that works great when it works. But again, it's like it's like conducting an orchestra. Every piece has to be coordinated just so or the potential for user impacts or uh, unsuccessful backups or restores could have, could take place. All right. Very good. Let's go to our next question. Actually, Rich, I'm going to stick with you here. What keeps you up at night as it relates to backups? We love that question in journalism and facilitating conversations. One of our favorites. It's one of those CIO questions where people yeah. say, what keeps you up at night? Usually 99% of the time it's on security, right? Uh, yeah. And I would, um, I would say this is in that 99%. I, what keeps me up at night, frankly, I think is a, a healthy dose of paranoia. So we think we're doing everything right. We've um, 
you know, we do all the disaster recovery drills that we possibly can. We're working with our partners to make sure everything is happening just so. But what if in the event of an actual emergency, everything that we've tested, every drill that we've done, every exercise that we've attempted to perform doesn't work the way we wanted it to. And uh, you, sometimes you don't know until it actually happens. Mm -hmm. um, on the test stage, everything goes fine. But in real life, um, people are panicked, they're stressed, they're nervous, and maybe a ball drops. I worry about that. And of course, the whole notion of um, having, uh, becoming the victim of a cyber attack keeps me up at night. Uh, can we do everything we possibly can to prevent that? But we, we know that the attackers, um, we have to be successful 100% of the time at blocking things that would necessitate us having to uh, recover from backups. The uh, bad guys only have to be successful once. So uh, the if you look at it, the scales are tipped toward them. So I, I worry about that. Brian, what keeps you up at night? I'm going to have to echo a lot of what uh, Rich just said. Um, my biggest concern is, are my backups going to be there when I need them? Uh, kind of echoing the same thing. We, you know, we do annual tests. We stand up the entire environment. We run through these. We do uh, routine recovery operations. Uh, but, I mean, again, there's, there's cyber actors out there that are actually targeting backup solutions. Uh, so... Am I replicating bad data to my site? So, you know, we do a lot of things to uh, provide cyber defense mechanisms to, you know, up that comfort level. Uh, you know, we're, our cloud vendor that's doing our disaster recovery as a service, uh, they basically have logical air gapping uh, in their solution where they're monitoring the traffic. And if they see any intrusive traffic that is not uh, legitimate traffic, they will disconnect the connection between our sites. Uh, you know, they stand up. Uh, if we were to call a disaster, they'll actually stand that up in an isolated environment. They'll do a cleansing review process prior to releasing it to us. Uh, Meditech is always involved in these processes, uh, so Meditech ensures that the site is operational prior to releasing. Uh, so, I mean, there's a little bit of comfort, but that's probably still the biggest thing, a concern, is uh, when I need it, is it going to be there? Right. And Priscilla, what, what it makes me think is that as, as much as you try and do disaster uh, preparedness drills, there's the fear that I'm, I, I'm never going to really be able to replicate what it's going to be like. So I'm practicing a scenario, but unless I throw the organization into disarray, I can't really know what it's going to be like. So I don't know if I'm ready. But what are your thoughts? Well, I think that I think those are all valid points. And how do you know if it's going to be ready? Um, and then there's always the consideration of what if there's an unforeseen natural disaster and people say, well, you know, I live in New Jersey, so there's not going to be a tornado. Um, but I had a client out in Iowa and one year they had crazy flooding and their entire data center just got buried in two feet of water. So you might have a great backup, but now you can't redeploy it because your infrastructure is soaked. So what we're able to do with our partnership with Healthcare Triangle and AWS is not only outsource the backup process, but also spin up a copy of your Meditech system in the AWS cloud. So while you're draining your data center, you can still be running Meditech. We can fail over instantaneously running that same instance because it, to your point, it's the unforeseen circumstances. Um, we had a, I had a, a customer down in the Caribbean you know, what could happen in the Caribbean? A tornado, a hurricane, except for what happened, it got real hot one day and their air conditioners died and their whole data center overheated. So again, I think it's the things you don't expect are the things that happen. And, you know, if somebody trips over a cord or um, an employee makes a mistake, you're not gonna be able to foresee a lot of those things. So wouldn't it be great if 
someone else was managing your backups and you had the option to fail over to your live system while you could get your own house back in order, deal with whatever ransomware, you know, or corruption was occurring with your system. So that's why we designed it is for the what ifs, right? The what ifs, the insurance policy. All right. Very good. Next question, uh, Brian, let's start with you. Um, have you ever tried to restore? And if so, how did it go? Uh, so, yeah, we actually do full mock disasters on an annual basis. Uh, so we contact our uh, cloud partner, we declare a disaster, uh, and they'll actually start the process of standing up the environment. Uh, so we do this over a week period. Uh, so we run through multiple days of operational testing uh, in the cloud environment uh, in conjunction with the on-prem still operating. Uh, we involve subject matter experts, uh, module owners throughout the organization in this process, uh, and run patients all the way through the system uh, to verify that it is working. Uh, this allows us not only to test the recoverability of the infrastructure, but also uh, disaster operations. So, like, can our users log in to the environment? Uh, can we print? Can we e-scribe? And so on. Uh, so these functional tests tend to go pretty smoothly uh, with only a minor issues, and I attribute a lot of that to our disaster recovery provider uh, because they perform these operations on a normal basis. Uh, these tests. So they're extremely efficient at what they do and their knowledge of restoration processes. Uh, and again, they work directly with Meditech uh, to ensure a seamless handoff to the customer, to the site uh, prior to uh, handing off. Rich? I've actually got a story for your for your audience. Love it. Um, <laughs> I, so I've been with Deborah a little over five years now as a CIO. And on my sixth week on the job, uh, we were getting word that Meditech was crashing and crashing hard. And so we're running around trying to figure out what we need to do. Meditech goes down and uh, we're realizing very quickly that we have basically a catastrophic disk failure. And we were, we were um, hosting on-prem at that point. So it was all on our servers. And so we go back and we load the uh, first backup tape and it's uh, unreadable. We load the next backup tape and it's unreadable. We load a third backup tape and it's unreadable. All of a sudden, I'm like, dear God, I've been here six weeks and uh, <laughs> look, what, look what's happening. And finally, the fourth one comes up and we weren't backing up with the same frequency. Our backup um, protocols were somewhat more antiquated back then. So we're finally able to go up. But in essence, we're talking about an RPO of about a day and a half. So uh, we wound up, we had, a, we had a vehicle for being able to recover a lot of that. was a lot of people um, heads down for a couple of days trying to uh, get it. So if anything taught us the importance of uh, testing, uh, you know, you know, making sure our backups are sound, testing restore procedures, and um, having you know, and having a robust plan for handling this, and making sure we're dotting every I and crossing every T. It was that. It was a very sobering experience. It was what they they call a trial by fire for a new for a new CIO. But um, we're still here, and I'm still here. So I guess it worked. Guess it worked out ultimately. <laughs> so you lost a day and a half of 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 data. Yeah, what happened was that we were able, um, the system was able to come up briefly. Um, so we realized this was just a matter of time before it crashed again. We ran off every bloody report we possibly could, and we had something to key off. So we did, we were able to, we got a little lucky on that one. So we had a lot of reports that we were able to key back into Meditech manually. It took days, mm. but uh, we, we ultimately got through it. Um, but we were luckier than many. So it was a scary, it was a scary moment. And it reinforces everything that you hear about. Take the time to make sure that 
uh, your backups are sound, that your recovery procedures are sound, because uh, the consequences are unfathomable if they're not. Priscilla? Um, <clears throat> I think that's the main concern for hospitals, obviously, is data loss, right? So what are what are the ramifications of losing a day, a day and a half of data? How much data would be acceptable for you to risk losing? Um, we, I was, um, Chris and I always talk about, you know, everybody wants a disaster recovery and backup plan until they figure out what's involved. It's so complicated. It's so time consuming. And so what Chris and I have worked to do with Bridgehead and Amazon is to say, we want to make sure people don't have to take the resources. We don't want people to have to rekey in data. We don't think any amount of data loss is acceptable when it comes to treating patients. That's what your whole job is. That's what the EMR is for. So what we're trying to do for sites is to ensure that people don't ever find themselves in a situation where Rich um, found himself on his sixth week of work. We want to make sure that you can fail over instantaneously and that your providers can keep um, treating patients. You know, one of the things that I remember from when I was working at Meditech is, you know, when you're taking, when you have had, if something goes down, what are you going to do with your electronic MAR? Your patients that are in beds who need to be treated and have a medication record, you need to have access to that record. So what if during a disaster, your providers could go along with their business while the IT team sat back and waited for a restore from an outsourced vendor? Wouldn't that make a lot more sense than trying to put the pieces and parts back together and I think, you know, when I worked at Meditech, one of the things I really liked about it was that I felt like we were helping hospitals take care of patients by providing excellent software solutions for patient care. And I consider this offering to be part of that is allowing providers to continue to do their job seamlessly and allowing IT staff to focus on supporting their customers who are providers. So at the end of the day, it's storage, it's backup, but isn't it about patient care? And you know, what can we do to ensure the continuity of care, um, especially in times like this? So, very good. Um, how do you keep up to date with backup protocols and procedures, Priscilla? You want to start us off here? I mean, what are your thoughts around some best practices here? Well, I think that, again, it's complicated because you need to make sure that you're, if something's changing on the Meditech end, if something's changing on the backup end, you're going to make sure that your, your IT staff are aware of any changes that need to be made on-prem or in your backup solution, or let's say your third-party provider or your target changes. Do they need something in a different way? So ensuring that you're doing a proper backup in order to do a proper restore means that you have an intricate knowledge of the entire process. In my experience at Meditech, I found that a lot of our customers were in very rural areas and had a hard time attracting IT people, specifically um, highly qualified IT people who you could rely on to perform the entire backup and restore process. So um, I think that being able to take that entire thing out of the hospital's purview and be able to uh, simplify it. You don't have to remember anything. You don't have to know if, if Bridgehead is doing an update or Maytech's doing an update or Amazon's doing an update. You don't have to worry about keeping up with that anymore. You just allow the process to happen instantaneously. And, you know, we can give you, you still want to know what's going on. It will give you a really nice, you know, a really nice piece of software and you can monitor it, you know, from your couch at home. You don't have to even be in the office. Um, and you can still see what's going on, but you don't have to be involved and you don't have to know about some of these nuanced changes that people make that really could, you know, kind of throw a wrench in the whole backup process. So 
more relaxation time, I would say. That's always good. We always like that. Um, Rich? I feel blessed to have the team that I have who stays close to this. I mean, they're all over this sort of thing. They love it. Um, I personally also like to keep my ear to the ground for new technologies. I think it's important to get out to conferences or webinars, I guess more webinars in 2020 than conferences, alas, but, you know, keep, you know, talk to people, find out what others are doing, uh, make sure you have a network, make sure you're getting uh, latest information being funneled to you, just make it a focus to stay educated and make sure your, your team stays educated. Brian? Yeah, I think, uh, in the of echoing a lot of education uh, through forums such as this, uh, your, your Meditech CIO forums, things like that, uh, Muse, collaborative uh, efforts. Uh, talk with your peers. Uh, here in Mississippi, we've created a Mississippi Meditech collaborative group that uh, encompasses eight Meditech hospitals. Uh, we meet on a quarterly basis and discuss things like this. You know, what are you seeing in the marketplace around backups? Uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily Meditech related, uh, but just things in general, IT. Uh, so lean on your, your, your peers. Uh, and then finally, lean on your partners, your vendors. Uh, you know, they, they, I wouldn't have come across the replication solution to reduce our RPO, RTO without conversations with them. You know, we would have kept status quo. Uh, so leaning on them and finding out, you know, what they're doing in the, in the marketplace uh, can also be very beneficial. All right, Brian, let's stick with you. What is your disaster recovery plan? Don't have a disaster. Don't have a disaster. I like that. I like that. That's, it. that's, that's it. what we plan for. Just don't have a disaster. <laughs> um, that's what we plan for, and uh, as probably some of the folks on the uh, call today can uh, test, that doesn't always work out, uh, and uh, some of the uh, some of my peers can speak to that. So, uh, and, and you know, sometimes it's a little unnerving talking about this this day and age because, uh, again, with all the cyber actors out there, the bad actors, it's kind of like I'm giving away pages out of my playbook mm -hmm. uh, and helping them with the reconnaissance here. Uh, so I'm trying to stay one step ahead of them, but I'm, I'm, I'm helping them out in the process. Uh, so, you know, from Magnolia, uh, again, we, we leverage our – we have a DR as a service offering. Uh, so in the event that uh, we are – our data center uh, became vulnerable, uh, we would contact them. We would stand up our disaster recovery uh, site. Uh, during that, as, as kind of Priscilla mentioned, during that effort, uh, that downtime, that gap in time between uh, the disaster declination and recovery uh, access, uh, we utilize a downtime reporting solution that gives us access to that pertinent information, such as the MAR, so we can continue that continuity of care, 24-hour uh, summaries and things like that, so our nurses and clinicians on the floor can continue to care for our patients until we have that up and operational. Uh, once the disaster site's up and operational, we have access on all of our workstations uh, throughout the facility. If there is a network outage, we have what we call downtime boxes. Uh, that have laptops and MiFi's in them to be able to access the environment remotely uh, if, if we don't have internet service or, or network outage uh, that was happened. Uh, once the on-premise data center is kind of stabilized, there's actually a reverse process that we go through uh, to recover back to the on-premise site. Very good, Rich. I like Brian's plan A, don't have that's, a disaster. That's, that's, what, a that's what I want. But, um, like Brian said, it doesn't always work out quite the way we want it to as, as it relates to that. So 
uh, in the event of a disaster, we have what we call a series of steps documents, and that document lays out the systems that we would need to bring back up, the order in which we would need to bring them back up, relative priority, all sorts of other details, where the recovery media would be, who the system owner is, their contact information, who the vendor owner is, IP addresses, all that sort of thing. And embedded in that also is the anticipated RTO, recovery time objective, and recovery point objective that we believe are permissible for each system. So that's the that's the tech that's the techie piece, if you will. Uh, we also have an incident response infrastructure uh, that's more emergency management in nature, um, really works through our chief operating officer, who is the um, emergency manager on site. And embedded within that, we have a lot of plans as to um, how we commu- how do we, how do we engage on communicating both to internal stakeholders and external stakeholders and you know, keeping everybody in the loop and making sure things are moving right along. It's uh, we you can plan all you want for a disaster, but these disasters um, tend to have lives of their own when they happen, and it's hard to really have a, a precise playbook. But the idea is that you want to be able to build an effective foundation for who talks to who, how do we recover. What are, we, what are the things that we need to do that are unique to the particular circumstances of that disaster and be able to execute on those? Priscilla, your thoughts? It sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, I, I, I agree with Brian. And do you like the plan of no disasters? We were, uh, we've been working with Forrester Research lately to try to get a better understanding of what is actually happening to hospitals. And through some of their research, we found that 79% of the customers that they interviewed had a ransomware attack within the last 24 months. And so while we're talking about floods or hardware failures, I think, you know, to both of your points, ransomware is sort of the, the new fear, the new disaster that could happen. And in terms of ransomware, what's really important is that you have that clean copy that's backed up to an offsite location. So like you said, you can figure out where the ransomware was eliminated. Um, but the beauty of the Pure and Bridgehead solution is that not only can you get that clean copy up to AWS or another um, data center of your choice, you can ensure that it's getting done properly because you're not managing the process. The experts are managing it. Um, and then once you've figured out what's going on um, on your on-prem location, you don't have to restore it. We can restore it for you. So all of the 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 pieces and parts and procedures and the things that you need to know about and all the staff work that's being done, we can take that off. Because if there really is a actual true emergency, like a, you know, a flood or something where you're going to need all hands on deck, it wouldn't it be great to be able to redeploy your IT staff to help out with that rather than trying to you know, recover your Meditech system and wondering and hoping that it won't be the fourth tape that you load that's going to be the good copy. I mean, I think we we see it as we'll let you run it up in the cloud for as long as you like. And then when you're ready to bring it down, just let us know and we'll, and we'll restore it for you. So again, just being able to reallocate some of those IT resources for more meaningful patient-centric projects. Very good. I want to ask you, Brian, um, we talked about the expectations of recovery. Take me through the important dynamics and conversations that you have to have with the CEO the, or the board or whatever structure of reporting you have. What's the dynamic? You do, do they tell you what they expect or do you tell them what you can do and or, or what might happen and they say, that's not good enough or they say, okay, sounds good because you want to set expectations. You want to make sure that leadership understands what you expect to be able to accomplish. 
Um, not that they find out after the fact that, oh, it was going to be two hours. And they said, well, that we never would have thought that was acceptable. So what, how does that work? So, um, you know, we have an executive team here. I report up through them. And so we have those conversations and, uh, you know, about what the expectation is, what we're able to accomplish, uh, what the technology will allow for the dollar spend that we have. Uh, and so we, we kind of have those discussions. And, you know, we, we do tabletop exercises as well. And, you know, the question always becomes, what, what if we can't recover Meditech? You know, what, what would be the damage to this organization if we can't recover Meditech? And then what do we need to do to ensure that that never happens? Uh, so th those are kind of the conversations that we have here uh, with leadership, senior leadership within the organization. Uh, yeah, so you have to make sure that, that these conversations happen. Rich, what, what is your perspective on these kind of dynamics? Our, our leadership uh, really gets it. And as they hear more and more about uh, hospital systems being hit with ransomware attacks and the substantial costs, not only financial, but reputational in terms of what happens when um, that occurs and how, they, how the hospitals sort of get back on track. Uh, they get it, they see it as a strategic imperative to make sure that happens. However, that said, there also are financial realities and we wanna be able to do the best we can with the resources we have. So we always have to think creatively and out of the box. Like I said, our leadership is on board. Our, our board is very much on board with um, making sure that we have a, uh, cyber, a cyber security plan and that we're staying at the cusp of that. And um, I report to the board uh, periodically, uh, multiple times a year, and they want to know that uh, we're all over that. And I've got a couple of people on my board who uh, know the world of cybersecurity, so it's not a free pass. So they ask tough questions. Mm -hmm. They're asking about ransomware. They're asking about um, some of the brute force attacks. Um, we just had um, we just had the incident right before election day where um, there was the uh, generalized threat to the healthcare sector, and uh, that percolated everywhere. So I think that also those sorts of those sorts of singular events really do bring home the point that um, being protected is it's an insurance policy in many ways. You're investing in something you hope you're never going to have to use, but uh, will be it to you if you do have to use it and it's not there. So. Strategically, I think um, we're pretty far along. We just have, so we have to do it in a way that um, balances uh, balances security and also recognizes um, that we don't have limitless financial resources to provide. And Priscilla, you know, he's talking about the financial realities of things. You know, your solution has to be something a CIO would take to the board and say, "Hey." I want to do this because it'll allow me to redeploy people elsewhere. It, it makes financial sense and it puts us in a more secure position. So um, your thoughts? Well, we want to have that take that conversation of what if you can't recover Meditech off the table, because we don't want that to be a conversation that you have to have with the board. Uh, we want to make sure that we are providing a solution that will allow you to fail over to Meditech all the time, no matter what. And if you're doing your own manual backups and you're using legacy infrastructure that's outdated or perhaps um, not up to spec with what uh, Meditech is offering, it's it's a real risk. And the the risk of not being able to get Meditech back, it's not only about patient care, but let's talk about registration and billing, admissions, all of the things that enable your revenue cycle to operate properly 
that's also going to be impacted as well. So we don't want be people not be able to input charges, you know, and back to Rich's point about manual entry. Yeah, you can keep your notes about what happened to what patient, but are you missing things when the system is down and you go to paper or you're waiting for a system to come back up? So we believe that the simplicity of the system and the guarantee that it's going to be an immediate failover if you would choose that type of configuration, that's where your insurance policy really is. That takes the question of what if we can't restore off the table? And I think that's what board members and executives are looking for is, okay, we don't have to worry about that anymore, that we have a solution for that. Very good, all right. I wanna get our poll out here, have a little fun with this. Uh, so we're gonna launch that now. Uh, you can go ahead and our panelists can answer this too. Very, so it's agree or disagree, pretty simple. Very few health systems have well-practiced disaster recovery and business continuity plans that would allow them to function relatively smoothly both during and after an outage. Very few, very few. Do you agree with that or you think I'm, uh, I'm underestimating uh, what's going on out there? I'm a cynic, right? So we'll take a look at that in a minute. Um, this is uh, an interesting question I want to get to, and then we will look at our results. Um, Rich, let's start with you on this. If you had extra IT personnel resources, where would you deploy them? And I think the thinking is if you had, uh, it may or may not apply to you, but if you had less people that needed to be devoted to this kind of thing. But answer it in, in any scenario you want. If you had extra IT personnel, what would you do with them today? I think that if I, um, I certainly would be able to have an even deeper security stance would uh -huh. be helpful because that is the thing that really garners the most attention. And that, in point of fact, is the biggest strategic uh, vulnerability for the organization. If we, have a, uh, if we have a breach or we have some kind of a cybersecurity incident, we may never recover from that, even if we could recover the technology. So I can't emphasize that enough. Um, I think also if um, we had extra resources, we'd be able to uh, more effectively support even more departments on more of a one-on-one -on -one basis than we currently do now. Um, so it's, you know, we're, we're learning to do more with less, um, both in terms of uh, cybersecurity, where we've been very resourceful lately in terms of, um, I think, moving, moving a lot of good initiatives forward, but we haven't had to hire a lot more people to do that. Um, and... We, we also would like to be able to do the kinds of things where we can help, you know, help reinforce a message that IT is an agent for transformation. It's not a cost center. Rich, We're here to help you. What does it do to you when you get that advisory that came out a, a couple of weeks ago about that major threat to the, I mean, does that just, does that ruin your day? It does. I mean, I think there was nothing that was fundamentally different about what we needed to do, but all of a sudden uh, stuff got serious, as they oh, say, man. right? So yeah. everyone is, everyone's knocking on my door. It's like, hey, did you see that? What are you doing about that? Where they might not have been asking that question as frequently or um, expecting a very detailed answer as much in the past. I mean, I think the threat was always there, but the fact that uh, an element of urgency and an element of realness came to it. It was like, this really could happen to us. Um, shifted things into high gear. So yeah, it ruined my day, but um, that's what we do. Brian, did it ruin your day? Uh, you know, not too bad. Uh, not, I guess, too bad out of the norm, uh, but you did get these, uh, you know, leadership and uh, 
clinical leadership, ancillary leadership, you know, asking those questions. Hey, I saw this in the news. Uh, we're, we're under attack. We're being targeted. Uh, what are you doing about it? I saw these recommendations. Are, are we doing these things? Do, do, are, we, are we ensuring that our backup operations will be successful and things like that? So, uh, you know, put out the emails and do some, some cascading communication across the organization that uh, we are aware of these things and, and uh, we are working to uh, mitigate any threats against our organization. So probably not the time to respond with humor and say, what threat, you know, what's a backup? No, probably not, not the moment for that. Um, Priscilla, I, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. Thanks for sending it. Um, Priscilla, obviously this is one of your value propositions. I think that's, that's uh, one of the ideas is that uh, you don't need as many people focused on this type of thing and maybe they could be doing something more productive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that at the base layer, the, the simplicity of the pure array that the system is based on is one of the key factors in enabling um, not only the outsourcing, but also the management of the on-site array. So for example, I had a customer of ours that signed recently earlier in the year and then was hit by this pandemic was uh, very grateful that he had to, was able to take his two storage administrators off of the storage and redeploy them within the rest of the IT organization. He said that Pure was so simple, he just cross-trained his server guys. And the two additional IT resources he was able to deploy, they wrote their own um, software for a virtual waiting room and were able to deploy a telemedicine solution within three weeks. And one of the reasons he said he was so successful with that was because he had two full-time people now available. Um, you know, so not only the pure simplicity, but also taking the entire backup process off the plate. Again, that goes back to allowing your IT department to be more flexible, to be able to respond to strange challenges that we find ourselves facing in this time. And uh, a lot of sites, you know, what could you do more with your BCA? Could you do more with clinical outcomes? Could you work doing some more data analysis with your local payers? There's so many options that IT could be utilized for, to, for the better of patients, not for the dealing of backups and storage. So that's, again, that's why I like working for peers because we're making hospital lives easier and that makes patients uh, get the top priority. All right, well, we've got our poll results and before I reveal them, I'm gonna have my panelists guess here. What, uh, here's what I'm asking you. What is your guess for the number for percentage agree? So what percentage agree with this statement? Um, Rich? 85. 85. Brian? I was going to go with 80. 80. Priscilla? I would say people don't even know if they do or not. That's not a number. <laughs> <laughs> That's a non-numeric field. You're not getting the game. <laughs> <laughs> can't hit it won't go in <laughs> what do you got give me give me something i don't have to agree with the gentleman at around 80 percent. 80 percent. all right well let's reveal the results the winner is rich oh, temple 90 percent. <laughs> people have no confidence in in what's going on out there priscilla i think that means there's a big business opportunity for you out there because everybody thinks that uh nobody's nobody knows what's going on with their backups so yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. We're going to do our Ask a Co-Panelist. Rich, I want to start with you. I'd like to see if you have a question for either or one or one or either of your co-panelists. 
Priscilla, let me throw a question your way if I can. So, I mean, I think what you're what you're presenting definitely takes a lot off the table in terms of uh, headaches for IT departments. Uh, is there a big journey to go from point A to point B in the uh, contracting and implementation process, given uh, the number of hands that are in the pie, and how would uh, how would one easily navigate through that? Uh, we have a whole, we've been working with our partners this whole time. So what we would like to do is wrap it under one contract. So whoever your local reseller is, uh, we're able to work directly with them to buy whatever gear and services are needed. Um, Pure and Bridgehead will coordinate all of the other partners. And it's kind of like contracting as a service as well. So we put all the package together. We do have a um, detailed conversation with each organization because nobody's the same. And so um, Chris and I will speak with the organization to find out things like connectivity, capacity. Um, you know, we have a site we we're just talking about up in Vermont where, you know, uh, sending a backup to a public cloud is not an option for them because of their internet connection. So why don't we talk about someplace else we might be able to send the backup. So. We consider it to be a very customized solution because every hospital is going to have different challenges, but we put it all together in one package and then you're on your way. Thank you. Good answer. All right. Very good. Brian, a question for either of these fine folks. Sure. I guess this could be aimed at either one. Uh, so I'm always curious about how people are the processes of keeping people educated and informed. Uh, and, you know, being moving from Meditech Magic to Meditech 6 1, uh, our after hour staff have become very efficient at downtime. I mean, we're doing Meditech updates on a quarterly basis, we're doing patching on a quarterly basis. So they've become very efficient at downtime processes. But our day shift, our normal operations during peak operational hours, they don't get exposure to it. Uh, so what have you seen or what are you doing to ensure that those staff are knowledgeable of downtime procedures and processes? Rich, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, that's a very good question. You're absolutely right. Our off hours people have more experience with our scheduled downtimes than our day people do when they don't have the opportunity to have scheduled downtimes. And, We've, uh, we've learned some of that the hard way, unfortunately, in terms of um, we've gone a very long time without any unscheduled downtimes. And a few weeks ago, guess what? We had one, and it was a little bit bumpier than we would have liked. And uh, we have a downtime committee. We talk about uh, making sure that all downtime procedures by department are up to date. Um, we're making sure the processes that we have to make sure that Mars are printed to the right place on a regular basis, that we have offline computers in the event of a network outage, and all that is all that works. But does that percolate down to the uh, to the to the line nurse on on different nursing units? And the answer is uh, sometimes yes, and sometimes not so much. So we learned that um, we had a bit of a challenge there because we went this unscheduled downtime because even though we even though we had the instructions, no one had really gone through an actual exercise where there was a downtime and. You know, like, like we noted earlier, we can prepare all you want for a disaster. When the disaster is upon you, your head could be in a somewhat different place and you're nervous and you're stressed and uh, maybe you're panicking a little bit. So um, I think that we, I would say we need to do more, Brian, in terms of that. You're absolutely right. Our off shifts tends to do it a lot better and it's uh, not as crazy busy. So uh, that's something that's an ongoing process. You don't want, you don't want to take that. You don't want to do scheduled ones during the day just because there's so much activity, but on the other hand, you need to make uh, very, very certain that they have the same instinctive knowledge to fall back to the processes that we have defined and go forward from there. Priscilla? 
Uh, I would wonder what what would make either one of you re reevaluate your backup and recover strategy, and other than outside of some type of catastrophic failure. If you say to me, "I already have a system, Priscilla. Why would I look at yours? Why would you look at a, a new offering in the market?" Brian. Uh, well. I guess, you know, we are actually in contact with Pure as we speak, uh, doing an RFP for new storage. Uh, so, um, you know, you're talking about cloud strategy and things like that. We do see that on our roadmap. Uh, I think we were a little slow to adopt cloud storage, cloud opportunities, uh, and maybe just healthcare in general was slow to come, come to uh, cloud offerings. Uh, because of concerns around security and things like that. But I think the uh, market has shown that they're just as secure, or maybe even more secure than your on-prem solutions. Uh, so, you know, having something that's hybrid cloud capable is uh, very important to us now. Being able to shift uh, workloads uh, between a multi-cloud environment is becoming more and more important to us because of the recoverability, uh, taking workload off of our staff, uh, maybe potentially even improving performance uh, through some of these offerings. Uh, so I, I would say that uh, I don't know that you would have to do much work on me because uh, we're actively, actively looking. Rich? I'll make a note of that. <laughs> Well, we're a pure customer, and uh, we're a relatively new pure customer, and uh, we're a happy pure customer. Um, it's uh, Pure has done a lot to transform our storage. Um, I feel pretty good on where we are in terms of the backup structures that we have in place, but I always am open to hearing about things that are new or better. Sometimes if you... Um, if if you're not always looking and exploring opportunities, you're missing out. You may think that you're doing that what you have is really really good, but the world may be uh, zipping by and you're not jumping on the train that you need to jump on. So it's always good to know what's going on out there. Well, we're we're getting close to the end here, Priscilla. I want to give you an opportunity for a final parting thought. Uh, well, I think that, you know, what Chris and I always say is that we're here to help, you know, Pure's got a dedicated Meditech healthcare team. Um, for those of you who don't know Chris, he was in the Meditech infrastructure division um, for many years. He was the creator of the infamous hardware configuration proposal. So he's very versed in all things Meditech. And what Chris and I really like to do is have these conversations with customers and prospects and make sure they're utilizing all the benefits of Pure and our partners for things like hybrid cloud efficiency, workload management. So I would just say, you know, to anyone out there, if you wanna have a conversation, we'd love to talk to you. Um, we really believe that the Pure Solution along with Bridgehead and AWS can help an organization. And we'd love to talk to you about how we can customize it to meet your specific needs um, as an organization. Very good. All right. Well, that's about all we had time for today regarding continuing education. You can use uh, the final slide in this deck uh, as your certificate. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording of this event is ready to be viewed. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team. You can go to our website to register for upcoming webinars. And with that, I want to thank our panel. Brian Davis, Rich Temple, Priscilla Sandberg, and I want to thank Pure Storage for sponsoring and our attendees for coming to our events. So with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you.